Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of Revelation Road as we journey through the book of Revelation to see what the end has for us, to see what God has told us about what is ahead. And we've talked about several things in this series so far. And in lesson four, we looked at the trip itinerary. Today in lesson five, I want to discuss the destination, perhaps even calling it the destination itinerary. In today's message, I want to discuss what Paul Harvey used to be famous for saying, the rest of the story. Revelation provides that for us. I'd like to read to you in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, just the first words for the moment. We will pick up more of this in future episodes. But for tonight, I want to just read this. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what the book of Revelation is about. It is truly called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not revelations. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word is apocalypse or apocalypso. And it means the unveiling. It's as if you're pulling back a curtain and revealing what's been behind it all along, but has been out of view. You've not been able to see it clearly because the curtain has been in front of it, but it's still been there all the time. So what we're going to talk about in this particular episode for a few moments is this, how Revelation, the book of Revelation, provides us with the rest of the story of Jesus. It reveals what the remaining parts and other things that we needed to know to fully comprehend the entirety of God's revelation to us of his son, it gives us the rest of these details. So let's consider this point. The book of Revelation provides for us the completion of the story of Jesus. It answers all remaining questions it ties up any and all loose ends, so to speak. It fulfills and correlates and completes all types and shadows. It fulfills all foreshadows or prophecies that were found earlier, but have yet to find their ultimate fulfillment. It gives the conclusion and the completion of anything that's been hinted or unfulfilled earlier in the scriptures. Now, for instance, I am an author and I have been to writers' conferences and other things and have learned a good bit about writing. And one thing that I want you to understand is that the entire word of God is one whole story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. And if you are a writer and you have learned several of the writing principles at various writers' conferences and so forth, then you will be able to understand what I mean. There is 
you start with a situation and then you write your story. And at the end, you show that there's been somewhat of a transformational arch, a character arch, etc., where you come full circle. And by the end of the story, everything that was lacking has been tied up. Every loose end is tied up. Every hint or foreshadow is now fully revealed and the whole of the story comes together and all of its various elements. The climax and then the end wraps it all up at that climax and gives you a fulfilling story. The Bible is similar. God is the, he's the one who gives us the skill and the gift of writing and authorship. He's the one that wrote the most beautiful story of all. And we happen to hold it in our laps or in our phones or wherever, and we call it our Bibles. We call it the Bible. It's truly God's beautiful story. It's like a big puzzle. You know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle also where you have the puzzle pieces all in the box and they're all scattered together. And to get the completion of it, you've got to dig in the box and find the pieces and then find how they fit together and put them all together where they belong. And at the end, you're going to have the completion of the puzzle and it's going to be a beautiful piece of artwork that was shown to you in a summary form on the box itself. So in a sense, we can see the Bible similarly. The Old Testament is what kind of gives us the scattered pieces of the puzzle. They're all in there and they're all scattered around. There's more that are scattered into the New Testament as well. But the biggest bulk of the puzzle pieces are going to be found in the Old Testament. And they connect perfectly with the counterparts that match up in the new to provide the beautiful picture that we complete by the end of the New Testament. And that picture really is centered around Jesus. And that's why the very first four words of the last book of the Bible that completes the whole story for us says it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, or I guess the last five words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the whole of the Bible has all been about. He is the picture. He is the beautiful picture. And in the New Testament, prior to the book of Revelation, we have a good portion of the picture, but there's still certain sections and things that remain unfulfilled or unrecognized by us. They're all there. We just don't quite know how they all finish fitting together yet. And so that's why we need the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the New Testament completes the puzzle and gives us the fullness of understanding. Now, to understand more about how the Old Testament and the New Testament come together and how they, they fulfill one another, I would just mention to you, I did a series called The Cross is the Filter. And you can look that up. It's only two short lessons, 
But in those lessons, I deal with the Old Testament and the New Testament and how we need to understand the Old Testament in light of the New and how they two fit together like a hand in glove. But let's consider the New Testament for a moment. In the New Testament, we find out some more of the completion of this puzzle. We have portions of it given to us. We have the whole of it given to us by the end of the New Testament. But prior to the book of Revelation, let's just look at a couple of things that we can glean from Scripture about what we have prior to the book of Revelation. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 1, I want to read the first four verses. And it says this, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So we see Luke recording here the purpose for his gospel. He's writing it specifically to this Roman official, this governmental official called Theophilus, who has apparently become a believer in the Lord and has questions about some of the things he's heard about Jesus. Or if he's not a believer at this time, he may be close to becoming that. And so Luke is burdened by the Lord, I believe, by the Holy Spirit of God, to write the book of Luke. And Luke wants to give him the whole story. Luke is trying to give him the whole story from beginning to end. So Luke does his best to do that. And Luke does begin. He begins with Zacharias and Elizabeth, who is, you know, the parents of John the Baptist, who becomes the forerunner, the messenger, the one that, that Malachi prophesied about in Malachi chapter 3, I believe it is, where he says, I'll send the messenger before your face. And so, you know, we pick up the New Testament. Luke tells us this is who he is. He was the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and he begins to tell us that. Then he tells us about their connection to Mary and the angel coming to Mary and the son of God being born of the virgin to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy and the prophecy of the Lord in Genesis 3.15. And so he's making this whole connection, and he's taking us and connecting us back to the Old Testament and carrying us into the life and ministry of Jesus. And so he's going to give us a thorough account to the best of his ability of this life and ministry of Jesus. Then we see this same author, Luke, writing a sequel book, and he wants to take it further. So in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, notice he's still writing for Theophilus. He's still writing to this man named Theophilus. God intended for these books to become a part of his word, and they were led by the Holy Spirit, so they are included in Scripture. But in Luke's mind at that time, he was ministering these words to write to Theophilus. So notice this, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The former account I made, O Theophilus, 
of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So here in these first few verses of Acts, which is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke, Luke carries us a little bit farther. And he says, okay, I'm writing now, I'm picking up from when Jesus first began to do and to teach. And now I'm going to take you through after his resurrection until the day he gets taken up. And I'll tell you a little bit about those 40 days he was here, how he did appear several times to several people and proved himself with many infallible proofs. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. So that's the best that Luke can do. He can carry us up to this time period. Jesus is now taken up and During that time after his resurrection, he's preaching, he's teaching them about the coming kingdom, the thing that was going to come way later in the future. They didn't know it was way later in the future then, but he's telling them ahead of time about some things that are yet to happen. So Luke continues on and Luke writes the accounts of the Acts of the Apostles, and he just tells us basically how when Jesus departed, the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, he tells us about the Holy Spirit being the promise of the Father that Jesus had promised to come. And then in Acts, beginning in Acts chapter 3 and beyond, Acts chapter 2 and beyond, we see the church, we see the activities of the apostles in the church, we see the Holy Spirit working in and among the church and through the apostles. We see the salvation of souls, the miracles, all of these things beginning to happen. Then the other authors of Scripture, we have the other gospel authors, and we have the authors beginning in Romans and all the epistles, Paul, you know, James, Jude, John, Peter, etc., and the author of Hebrews, whoever that may be. It's not named. We don't know for sure. Some think it was Paul. I personally don't. But that is neither here nor there. It is a Holy Spirit-inspired book, and it has a huge purpose in connecting the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we have all of these other books in the New Testament that give us more details, particularly, mostly in Romans and Epistles. They provide us with sound doctrine. They also provide us with guidelines and instructions for living today as well as the promise of what is ahead in their prophetic form. But there's still something lacking. We still needed to know the wrap-up. Okay, Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to come back. And, you know, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and I promise I'm going to come back. He, you know, he left some things kind of hanging in a sense in that they were totally unfulfilled at that time, yet to happen, and so they couldn't be fully known yet. So there was 
something that was still needed. There's a wrap-up that was still needed to understand. We still needed the answer to the disciples' questions about the timing of things and how everything's going to happen. We know that he was teaching them about the coming kingdom, etc. Some of those things he taught before his death and some of those he was teaching them after his death. But if you'll remember, in Acts chapter 1, let me read verse 5 to you. We read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let's look at, beginning in verse 4, let's continue on. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice this. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still wanting to know when is the coming kingdom. The messianic prophecies now from the Old Testament, they know there's still something yet to be fulfilled that has not yet been fulfilled. They can now understand Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, etc., that Jesus had to suffer, had to die, had to be raised to life again, and all of this. They've got his promise that he's going away, he's going to come back. Every one of the apostles lived their lives and wrote in their materials with the expectation that Jesus could come in their lifetime. They lived with that expectation that he was going to come back. But before he leaves them, they're still, they're still in this mentality. They still don't quite connect that he's got to go away first. So they're still in this mentality that, okay, Lord, you've died on the cross. You've risen from the dead. You know, you're now walking and talking among us. Will you finally restore the kingdom? Is now finally the time for the kingdom to come? So even the apostles that were God's emissaries, they were the Lord's chosen ones to go forth and proclaim the gospel and, and promote the gospel going out to save souls all over the globe. And even they still thought, what is the wrap up? When is the kingdom coming? There's something still lacking and we would like to know, is it now time for the kingdom to come. It's a similar question that they asked him in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, when he gave a lot of the, what we call the signs of the time, the signs that will happen as, and will increase in frequency and in intensity as we draw closer to when the Lord will return. So there was still a needed fullness of answers and wrap up. That was still needed. That was still kind of hanging out there. So now, enter on the scene. John, the, the apostle, who is now an older man, he's in his late, you know, 80s probably or so at this time, and he is being persecuted for his faith. Now, tradition, some say, says that, that John was even attempted to be killed by being thrown in a pot of oil 
and he didn't die from that, so they sent him to Patmos. Now, I don't know if, if that's true or not. I've heard that as tradition. But the point is, we do know that it's true that he was persecuted. He was sent to Patmos. And I guarantee you that the person who sent him to Patmos, I believe it was Domitian, that had him ordered to go there, that leader had no clue what God had in store for John on the Isle of Patmos. And the Isle of Patmos was a a penalty. It was a place of punishment. It was a place where they would, you know, work off their, their crime and they would be there some possibly even banished um, for life or whatever. John eventually was rescued and returned back to Ephesus, but he was sent there, he says, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So he was sent there because of persecution for the Lord. However, God had in mind something totally different because it was on this Isle of Patmos that God revealed the rest of the story to John the Apostle. It was on this Isle of Patmos that John then gets the vision, the entirety that wraps up the whole book and fulfills all unfulfilled prophecies to that date. He sees it all. He sees it all coming together, all loose ends being wrapped up, all things that were still unfulfilled, finally seeing their fulfillment. And John then is able to communicate to us what God wanted us to know about what is ahead and in the destinations that are ahead. Remember, we've talked about the two groups of people, and one is those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and one is those whose names are not. And there is a destination for each of those groups, and the revelation of that comes in the book of the Revelation, the Apocalypse. So John writes for us the book of Revelation, and Revelation is the wrap-up of the whole story. Even the outline in the book of Revelation shows us and tells us this and gives us the connection of the Old Testament, of the earlier parts of the New Testament with the epistles and all of that, and the glorious finality. Let me read to you what what Jesus says and what we understand to be the outline for the book of Revelation. I'd like to begin reading in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, and we're going to read through 20. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his hand on me, saying to me, this is John's response to Jesus. He had, he had, he fell down as if he were dead. He was, he realized that he was in the presence of the Lord himself, the risen Jesus, and he was glorious and holy. And John knew that he was not worthy. So he fell, he fell down on his feet as dead. But Jesus laid his right hand on him, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen 
and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, John is told to write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. This, in a sense, gives us the outline for the book of Revelation and helps us understand the itinerary for the destination and how the book is going to reveal it to us. It shows the connection of the Old Testament, the early New Testament, the epistles, and the glorious finality. It answers all the remaining questions, fulfills all remaining prophecies, and gives to us the rest of the story of Jesus Christ. And that is who we will be talking about and what we will be learning as we go through these various episodes of our Revelation Road study. It is truly all about Jesus Christ and the fullness of his story, even in what's ahead for us. I pray that these are a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for more episodes of Revelation Road. God bless you today in Jesus' name.